Welcome into the Musketeer Report podcast. It is Wednesday morning, December 6, 2023. Paul Fritschner, Rick Broering with you. And Rick, we are in uncharted waters right now for the Xavier Musketeers. They've lost three straight games all at home, two of which are bye games. Xavier hadn't lost a bye game since 2012, and now they've lost two in a row. They've lost three straight games at home for what I believe is just the third time uh, in Cintas history might be might be more than that, but now Xavier's in danger of losing four games in a row at Cintas for the first time in the history of that building. And my my opening thought here would be that you look at the box score. Somebody pointed out on the message board last night from the game against Delaware. Xavier coming in off an eighty-seven to eighty loss to the Delaware Blue Hens uh, on Tuesday night, and you look at the box score and. Xavier shot the ball well, played pretty well on offense. You put up 80 points. You should win any game where you put up 80 points in your home building. But then you look and you see that you had 17 turnovers. Delaware scored 30 points off of those turnovers. And you look to the sideline and you look at Sean Miller's face time and time again, and it kind of has this look on his face as if to say, I'm telling you guys what to do. They're still doing it. What more can I tell you? You know, you go to practice, you go to shoot around. And so many times last night, I was finding myself thinking back to whatever action they had installed in shoot around or in practice that I'm sitting there thinking to myself, how do these guys not think about what the coaching staff told them and shoot around? It felt like so many times Delaware got exactly an action that Xavier had told, you know, the, the coaching staff had told these guys, here's what's coming especially a, a baseline inbounds into the corner for a three. They worked on that for several minutes in shoot-around, that exact situation. The coaching staff said, this is going to happen, and then that play happened. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, it must be so frustrating as a coaching staff knowing that we are giving you the exact blueprint on some fairly easy concepts that these teams are running against you, and yet for some reason they still can't defensively go out there and show any kind of toughness or tenacity or will in a game last night. And and I think that's the most frustrating thing for the people watching is you got about 10 minutes to go in that game, and Xavier was down whatever they were, six, seven points. And it just felt like it was a 15-point deficit. It felt like so much more than a two-possession game because, for one, Xavier couldn't get a stop. And for two, they just weren't showing any fight. And it's one thing for a Sean Miller coach team to maybe not be the most talented. It's one thing for a Sean Miller coach team to maybe not be the biggest guys on the court, most physical as far as, you know, big, tallest guys, whatever it might be. But they are never out-toughed. They never lie down. They're never punched in the face and don't punch back. And for some reason, I don't know what it is about this group that maybe just isn't getting through. You look at the the Oakland game and you can say, okay, well, the Oakland game, it was a look-ahead game to Houston. You beat Houston and then the Oakland game, it's a wash. Well, then you go and lose a two-possession game to Houston. You look pretty good. You're leading the game with about six and a half minutes to go. All right, season's back on as long as they play like that going forward. But then you come back and lose to Delaware in one of the most head-scratching worst losses in recent memory. And I don't know where you go from here, Rick. Yeah, I mean, Paul, I think, 
you nailed it. It's not an X's and O's thing. It's not a lack of knowing what's coming. It's not a we're being confused by the other teams thing. It is completely a heart thing and a toughness thing. And I think that's what really probably has to be most exasperating for Sean Miller and his staff right now. And particularly a guy like Sean, who has always prided himself on being a toughness guy and having teams that are tough. And like you said, if you know nothing else about a Sean Miller team, it's usually that they're not going to get punked. And twice now, Xavier has been punked in the last two weeks by mid-major teams. And I say punk not to be like, derogatory or trying to take shots at these guys or be like rub salt in the wound. I say punked because both of those teams drove right through Xavier's defenders chests for easy baskets. And there was no response, no reaction by the Xavier players. They kind of just took it and continued to take it over the course of the game. And it's not just one guy or a bad matchup each time with Trey Townsend and Oakland, they rotated four defenders on them. None of them were able to slow them down. Against D- Delaware and their uh, their point guard who played really well, who was like a 6'3", 6'4", combo guard who kept driving them, they yep. rotated three different defenders on it. Desmond Claude couldn't do it. Daylon Swain couldn't do it. Davion McKnight had no chance. So I think that's the, the most exasperating thing for the coaching staff is we're trying the options. We're trying to take guys out of the games when they don't do the right things. As you said, they've obviously laid out all the X and O stuff that need to be laid out, and the guys are aware of that. And yet there's just no either ability or response in terms of toughness to execute these things. And I said last week, I think the biggest concern after the Oakland game and what Trey Townsend did is not that it happened, but that I don't know if there's a solution to what happened in that game. I don't know that they can get tougher and bigger in the front court and be better defenders. The problem now after this Delaware game is it's not just a front court problem any longer. You saw that happen to their backcourt now, too. And it also happened to the front court. Jair Davis played well for Delaware, their big athletic forward. And, and Gita's had trouble guarding him again, and, and the rest of the front court did as well. But, I mean, now you're seeing it from, from the guards, too. And it, it really kind of seems like, and Sean Miller said this after the game, that it's not just the fact of, oh, we're not, we're not good enough to guard. It's also if we start turning the ball over or things don't go well for us or the games get tough – they seem to have a little bit of quit in them right now. They don't seem to like when they face adversity. And that's typically the sign of a young, inexperienced team. And that's that's exactly what we're seeing right now. Yeah, and Quincy Oliveri talked about it in the post-game press conference. He was asked, what was Sean's post-game message? And Quincy said, it, he basically told us we're a leaderless group right now and somebody needs to step up. Somebody needs to take ownership of this group. And whether that's Quincy, whether that's, Abu, Davion as a point guard, whatever, Desmond, whoever it is, somebody needs to step up and say, now is the time, right? The season is not over, but it's as close to over as you can possibly be in the non-conference, given the fact that you have lost two bye games and are now sitting under 500 nine games through the season. This is not a young season anymore. As much as you want to say, you know, you are a third of the way through this season. You give the first couple of games for 10 new guys, and it's like you don't want to hear about the 10 new guys anymore because they've had practice. They've had a couple of months in the preseason. They've now played nine games together. They've gone to the West Coast together. They've gone to the Bahamas together. This is a team now where you're starting to get to the point where it's what you see is what you get, and they have plenty of time to get better. That's not to say that by February 1st, this team will not be better than it is right now. But my point is that I 
if you've listened to this podcast for long enough, you know that I I never ever say a must win game or earlier than the last week of February, right? I, I hate that phrase. I think you know you can win every game in, in your conference tournament, and you're boom. There, those were your must win games during the NCAA tournament. But this crosstown shootout for Xavier is as close to a must win game in December as it can possibly be because for, for several reasons all of them obvious one you have to show some kind of a fight because last night you showed no fight and this is a game that brings everything out of you emotionally it brings everything out of you physically do you go out there and you show something that you haven't showed in the last three games or at least not in the two bye games because if you play like you did against houston you're probably winning the shootout if you play like you do against delaware and Oakland, I'm here to tell you, you're going to get run off your own floor by your biggest rival by 25 points. What, what, do, and, what do we make of that? What do we make of that? How do you go out and play the way you did against Houston? And granted, I don't think Houston was great in that game. Like they didn't shoot the ball very well. And I, you know, you can argue that it was somewhat Houston, maybe not quite being ready in a road game as well. But, but Purdue too. Complete, but there is a complete difference between the way Xavier played in that game and the way they played on the two bookend games around it against the mid-major teams. I mean, what what do you make of that? Well, when you look at, at Purdue on the road in their, what, third game of the season, and then you look yeah. at the Houston game, and you look at the St. Mary's game, which I know, look, I know St. Mary's is not what they thought they were going to be, but they still look good in that game defensively. They yep. you know, didn't score a million points, but like everything looked good in that St. Mary's game. Purdue and Houston gives you some hope that this team can do something against the high quality of competition. And I think if there's been one major frustration it, transcending coaches over the last 10 years here, it has been a lot of these Xavier teams have played to their competition. I don't know how, it, yes, Houston didn't have their best game, but I don't know how you can possibly go out there and say that you were beating Houston with just over six and a half minutes to go. You were beating the number one Ken Palm team in the country, no matter how that happens. No, I, no matter how that happens, you're winning. And in the end of the day, that's all that matters. You're winning that game. And then to go out there and get just embarrassed by Delaware, the Blue Hens? Well, I mean, especially when we're I, I talking just, about I, physicality and toughness, right? Like Houston yes. is the epitome of physicality and toughness in college basketball. And it wasn't an issue for Xavier in that game. And yet against Delaware and Oakland, it's a huge issue. That's what I just, I can't justify that. And, 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 and what I don't understand, and this is where me sitting there and watching and just like, I, I haven't played competitive basketball in a long time, but just going, you, you go back to how, how it was when you were playing with just as an athlete, everybody listening to this probably has played a sport at one point. And there are two ways to respond to tough coaching. There are ways you can, you can lie down or you can respond and, and you can, gut through it. You can say, I'm going to get better. I'm going to respond to this in a positive way. And it's, I just can't wrap my mind around the fact that I'm sure this coaching staff is pushing these guys as hard as they can. Nobody is more frustrated than this coaching staff right now. Nobody is more upset than Sean Miller at what's going on. And it, it has to feel so powerless to know these are the teams that I have coached for so long where I can get through to them with this and this and this. And and granted, I'm not in the locker room. You know, I yes, I go to practice, but I'm not in the locker room. I don't know what his message is to these guys behind closed doors. I'm not talking to these guys about that. I don't know how they're responding internally. 
but just externally, what we can see, what I can see and what everybody here can see is just the fact that you had an opportunity at home to turn your season around, beat Houston, beat Delaware, win the shootout, and the whole thing's back on. The whole season's in front of you. And now all of a sudden we're sitting here 96 hours later saying to ourselves, where is that team? Where is that fight? And last night, I, I, I mean, it was just – last night was was – I mean, outside of my guy, Allen, that hit the half-court shot, last night there was just, it just felt so weird. It, there was a weird vibe. There was a weird sense of, it almost felt like nervous energy. I, and there was never any point in the game where I saw anybody besides Quincy. I, There was never a point in the game where I sat there and thought, okay, at least two guys. Are, are doing something that makes me think maybe, maybe they can come back in this game. And I, granted, I know Des Claude picked up his fourth foul with over 15 minutes left. That's a huge thing we haven't talked about because if he's out of foul trouble and he plays to his peak ability, maybe you're, you're, maybe you're at least, you know, given some kind of a run there down the stretch, but he goes out for what? Almost 10 minutes. I, I forget how long he was out, but it was about, it was, I think it was in. about six minutes during that stretch after he was picked it? up his fourth foul, but he missed seven minutes total in the second half, which if okay. you're trailing by seven to 10 points, most of the second half, you'd like to have one of your top two players in the game. Exactly. So now all of a sudden you go and turn your attention to the crosstown shootout, which none of these well, yeah, guys. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, before we go on, because we're going to talk about the shootout, I want most of this to be about the shootout. But let's wrap up with this segment here, talking about these yeah. last few losses and mainly the Delaware game. Obviously, the the turnovers, they had 17 turnovers that led to 30 points for Delaware, which was a major concern. I don't know how big of a concern that is going forward. I mean, maybe we need to talk about the pace this team is playing at. Like, I know they're playing really fast still, and um, maybe that's not working as well for this group because you look at the Houston game, and that was a much slower-paced game. You look at St. Mary's, and St. Mary's is a team that wants to slow you down a bit more, and and Xavier performed well in that game. So so maybe pace is something that they will look at to, to fix that turnover issue. I'm not real sure about that. I'm not as concerned about the turnovers long-term. I think that was... This was the first game that I felt like that was the biggest issue in the game. Most of the season, I feel like it's been uh, more so like a defensive thing, quite honestly. In the, if we go back to the Oakland game, for instance, um, obviously the defense and toughness thing, we can sit here and say that till we're blue in the face, but we've addressed that, I think, already. Was there anything else that jumped out from the Delaware loss to you that you would say, you know, we need to bring that up before we move on? I don't think so. I don't think there's anything we haven't talked about that really makes a lot of sense from last night that we just... I, I just we've sat here and podcasted for years and talked about trying to grit out wins and trying to be tougher. And maybe you're not as talented as your opponent, but you can figure out a way to pick up wins. And it has never been so clear to me that it's a emotional or a, a heart type of deal for this team. Right. That this this well, team needs to just show more. Of that. And I, I don't, it, it's so, I, I hate saying that. I hate, I really hate saying that because it feels like the easy way out as a, as a podcaster, as a, as a person trying to inform people about this team. It, I hate taking the easy way out and just saying, ah, they got to be tougher. But man, Rick, is that, is that, am I, <laughs> it's just, no, I, I, it, it, 
that that's legit in this case. But I think there's also two things we have to acknowledge. One, a huge reason for the lack of what looks to be lack of toughness is inexperienced and young guys who just aren't ready. Like they don't know what they're seeing. They don't know what it's like to face adversity. They don't know what it's like when the coach is screaming in their face and yanking them out of the game after they're making mistakes. I think that's part of what you're seeing from some of like the blank stares on the faces and the guys who look like they, they just have no fight in them. I think that's part of being a young, inexperienced player. And the other side of it is that we, we have to acknowledge is this team isn't that talented right now. You know, I said it earlier in the year that the transfer portal guys they brought in aren't good enough to be high-level players in the Big East, at least from what they've shown so far. And the young freshmen, while th some of them show a lot of promise and look talented, they aren't ready to be good players at a Big East level just yet. And so that is a big part of this. Now, should you be losing to Delaware and Oakland at the Centos Center because of that? Absolutely not. And that's where the whole toughness and you got to have better fight and all that stuff comes in without a doubt. But there is a real talent issue that we have to acknowledge. And that's part of the thing uh, about the Houston and Delaware games that is concerning. Is it's like, can the defensive thing be fixed? Do you have a forward that you, without Jerome Hunter, do you have a forward that you can put in there and slow down a guy like a Jair Davis for Delaware or a Trey Townsend for Oakland? And that's a question that still has to be answered. This team overall should be talented enough to win those games. But there is a lack of talent right now that they're dealing with. And uh, I mean, I think that's partially why they're getting picked on a little bit by some of these mid-major teams. So I'll let you have the, the final word there on, on Delaware if you want to wrap it up. But other okay, let's let's just jump into no, the let's shootout. just let's move on. I I've I've heard enough yeah. about the blue. I, I never want to hear about the blue hens again. Yeah. And move it stinks on. to be talking like this on shootout week because I love shootout week. And I think regardless of the fact that Xavier is struggling right now, I think we're getting a good shootout on Saturday. So Xavier hasn't lost a shootout since the first shootout at hasn't lost a home shootout since the first shootout uh, at Cintas. They've won the last nine. Xavier has never lost four in a row uh, at home by at Cintas by my count. At least I went back to try and find that last night. Couldn't find a stretch where they'd lost four in a row. They've lost three in a row a couple of times. Haven't lost four in a row. You know, I, all those streaks, everything you want to throw out there. And for as bad as this team has looked in the last three games, I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't read some Cincinnati banter. I just I, I'm not somebody that lives on all of the, you know, the Cincinnati forums. I, I don't sit there and, and read all the all that talk or whatever. I, I do. I do what I can. But I do at least, you know, whether it's Cincinnati, whoever, whatever team Xavier's playing, I, I try to at least get a pulse of the fan base, see where the team's at, kind of react to what happens if Xavier wins and loses that game. And it was pretty funny looking at the comments uh, from a lot of Cincinnati fans after the game last night who were more nervous now that Xavier has lost three in a row, and especially this one to Delaware, who are infinitely more nervous, and especially in my mentions. When I tweeted that out last night, uh, David Subinrock, who does all the, the XU stats, he's been at the, the scores table doing stats forever. Uh, he's great. And I love the nuggets that he gives. He has the most extensive uh, spreadsheet of Xavier history that you'll ever find. He gave me a little note after the game last night. The last time Xavier went into the shootout on a three-game losing streak, February of 2004, Xavier lost to Richmond, George Washington, and Dayton. Xavier went into the shootout as seven-point underdogs against number 10 Cincinnati at Cintas. Xavier won that game 71-69. to Now, obviously, that team... Uh, had a lot of talent on it and we all know what happened at the end of that season i don't think this is an apples to apples comparison with that team and this team however in this game 
at home. As I mentioned on the last podcast, there are three factors in this game. There's the team on the court, there's the coaching staff, and there's the home court advantage. Xavier has two of the three. What they don't have right now is the court, the, the, uh, the, the team on the court. I would not pick Xavier's team on the court over Cincinnati's team on the court, but can the home court advantage, can the coaching staff, can they get Xavier over this hump to a win at home? If we were talking about this game being at Fifth Third Arena, my mind would immediately go back to that game in December of 2018. Xavier lost by, what, 15 to McCronin. I think that was Travis Steele's first shootout. That game was ugly. Xavier was never really in that game. Cincinnati controlled it most of the way. Xavier hasn't lost in a shootout since then. And also, you have to wonder when you talk about now all of the pressure really being on Cincinnati to win this one. They're undefeated right now. They are, what, 29th on Ken Palm. It seems like they have a lot of momentum, even though they haven't played anybody on their schedule. Their best team that they've played is is still, what, 119 on Ken Palm, I think? UIC they, is 125. I believe they're the top team they've faced right now. Once, even Georgia Tech is 128. I mean, it, this is by far the, the best, at least by Ken Palm, the best team that, that Cincinnati has faced this year. Cincinnati went to overtime on the road at Howard in their only true road game. All of the pressure is on Cincinnati to win this game. Now, go. do you agree yes, with the sir. original statement, though, that UC fans should be more nervous because Xavier lost to Delaware? Like, if you were a UC fan, would you agree with that sentiment that it's more nerve-wracking or scary that Xavier's lost three straight coming off another bye game? Like, would you rather beat Delaware or lose to Delaware if you're a UC fan? Because I actually weirdly agree with the UC fans that say it's more concerning that Xavier lost that Delaware game. No, I, I would agree. Right. I, I, I would I would fully agree with that. The the one caveat I would say to that coming from the Xavier perspective is how Xavier lost to Delaware. Like if if any Cincinnati fan wa- just looked at the box score and wasn't, you know, just uh, looked at the box score, hopped on the line. You're thinking to yourself, oh, my God, they're coming off two by game losses, plus a third loss at home against a top 10 team that, oh, by the way, they took right down to the wire man, you know, they're going to be hungry for a win. The difference is if you didn't watch those games and you're just reacting to that online as a Cincinnati fan that, that didn't watch these two games, these last three games, Xavier laid down against Delaware and they can't do that against Cincinnati because if they do, it'll, it'll be a rough Saturday night. And that's the difference where I, I do the agree. Turnovers that, too. Yeah. The turnover because you see defense and athleticism, yes. I would see those turnovers and be like, our defense could do that to them. Yes, exactly. And I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing that these Xavier players have no idea what's coming for them on Saturday. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing when you have an entirely new team. That, that's a like really that, good point, Paul. I was just thinking about that. Like people are talking about how geared up these guys are going to be. And it's like, well, it won't. it's not like they're not going to come out ready to play for the shootout. But do we really like Desmond Claude knows what the shootout is about. Aside from him, like maybe Davion McKnight has an idea because he's a local regional guy. Aside from that, I can't imagine any of these guys really know much of anything about the Crosstown shootout. I'm here to tell you this team has no idea what's coming for them on Saturday. Now, in in the time since I've kind of tried to feel around and say, hey, like what have you guys? It's hard to say because I, I didn't get a chance to talk to anybody after last night's game. Obviously, they're not going to pound anything into this team before the Delaware game because you don't want to look ahead 
So it's a little tough to say, but I mean, when you think back to years past of, you know, whether it's a, it's an alumni that comes back and they bring a former player back to speak, or, you know, they, they give former players messages to the team, whatever it is that they try to instill that fight into this team before this game. You're talking about a Xavier team here that, and that goes back to why I was saying that, that if this game was at fifth third, you would say that you just you're hoping to make it out of there alive but now this game being at home i don't know i i truly i thought about this for a long time last night after the delaware game i have no idea if it is a good thing or a bad thing for xavier maybe ignorance is bliss maybe they'll show up and they'll feed off the great energy because just pure energy wise they they just got that last week against houston and for as loud as that crowd was, I give a lot of props to the Xavier crowd against Houston. The lower bowl was on its feet for most of the game. It was a loud crowd. It was a loud atmosphere. Probably won't be as, or it probably wasn't as loud as the shootout will be, but very close, very comparable. So at least they've gotten a taste of it. But you think of this Cincinnati team. You think of CJ Frederick, who just was in his postgame press conference the other day, and he said, you know, I, I grew up around this game. My dad would buy me Skyline. We'd go home and we'd watch the game together. You think about some of these guys that, you know, Victor Locken has played He's in this He's cried game. in the shootout before. It means a lot to Victor Locken. We've seen him cry in the shootout. You said it. That's right. He has. Well, I mean, he did. What? Are you, what? Are you acting like he didn't cry in the shootout? He cried in the shootout. He did. There's no when crying in the shootout. He cried in the did shootout. He? We can say that. When, when did he do that? Victor Locken? The tears on the bench when the shootout? That is like an indelible memory in my mind oh man i'll, I'll, I'll send you the highlight after we get on please do please yeah. do. i would it's funny you say that because i saw somebody mention that the other day and i was I, i'm just clearly not maybe it was a game i was at and i didn't go back and rewatch it or whatever yeah i don't remember that at all it, see that's the thing sometimes when you're at all these games rick and you you, you miss some of that and you just it's it all it gets pushed up the timeline yeah i don't i don't remember that at all oh all right yeah please do when what year would that have been I have no idea. One of his first couple years, one of the last few years. I don't know. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. I, I just, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Rick? Do you think, uh, do you think that for this team, not knowing what's coming on Saturday, is a good thing I, or a bad thing? I have no idea. It doesn't really matter. Like this team is not very good, and they haven't responded to adversity well. So who cares what they feel about the crowd? Like they just have to play good basketball. And I'm more worried about the matchups of this game because when I look at it. I look in the backcourt and I think Davion McKnight and uh, and Quincy Oliveri going up against Dayday Thomas and CJ Frederick. If you want to, I mean, CJ Frederick is their starter right now. Dan Skillings comes yep. off the bench. I don't see a huge edge either way there. I think I, I maybe lean UC in that matchup, although it really helps that Quincy Oliveri is playing as well as he has uh, coming off the Delaware game. When I go to the wing, I'd like to think that that is Xavier's advantage with Desmond Claude going up against John Newman. I think Desmond Claude is a more talented player. I think he's a more dynamic offensive piece. But with John Newman, he's been playing well, and he kind of has that athleticism and toughness that, quite honestly, has given Xavier some tr trouble. I, I wasn't worried about John Newman from an offensive perspective at all uh, two weeks ago, but now that we've seen the last few, you know, the, the Oakland game and the Delaware game, it's like, is John Newman just going to drive right through XU defenders' chests and dunk on them, potentially? I mean, he has that sort of athleticism and that pop to his game to where maybe he'll see that on film and realize that's something he can do. So that matchup 
I, I would have liked to have said is a, a big advantage for Xavier, but right now I'm not sure how much of it is. But then when you go to the front court and you've got Victor Lockin, who is playing very well right now, and he is doing a lot of the things that is giving Xavier's front court trouble, which is driving their forwards to the basket, scoring off the dribble, kind of using his skill, but also being a, a big guy. That is exactly what Trey Townsend did to him. It's exactly what Jair Davis from Delaware did to him as he scored 19 points. I would be very worried about the Victor Lockin matchup and how they're going to guard him. And that doesn't account for their Lord and Savior, Aziz Bandego, who was uh, ruled eligible a few weeks ago and has certainly made a, a difference on the defensive end and gives them a lot more length and athleticism to either lob it up to or get tip dunks on offense. So I think in the front court, it's a pretty big advantage to UC. And when you go into the back court, like I said, I don't see a huge advantage for Xavier anywhere. And quite honestly, like that's not even talk about Dan Skillings who comes off the bench for them and is probably their best player in my opinion. So that that's where I get concerned is, is just going through the matchups. It feels like there's not like an, a, a direct or clear path for Xavier to win this game in terms of, Oh yeah, this guy will be able to take care of that guy. Or this guy has a big advantage on the offensive end against that guy. Those types of things tend to go in UC's direction. In my opinion, when I look at the matchups, um, You've obviously seen both teams a good amount too. Do you feel like I've missed something there in terms of the matchups? No. Is there anything you like better on Xavier's side? I don't have anything more to add to that. I I, I think just from the from the from Xavier's perspective in this game, you know, I think you made a great point about John Newman because I, I wasn't sure what to think about John Newman two or three weeks ago. And now, yeah, you know what he's gonna give you, and you mentioned it all. Victor Locken being able to step out and hit five threes in a game a couple of, what, three or four games ago. Um, C.J. Frederick, I think, hit five threes on in Sunday's game against Florida Gulf Coast. And when he's hitting threes and being able to space the floor and consistent, and he's been healthy this year for the first time really in his career. He had a great freshman year at Iowa when Luca Garza was there. But since then, he's really been hurt. He's bounced around. He's Iowa, Kentucky, now at Cincinnati. My overall point with this game, Rick, is if Cincinnati doesn't win this one, if Wes Miller doesn't win this one, with what will pretty clearly be Sean Miller's worst team at Xavier, as long, whether Sean's a head coach at Xavier for three more years, six more years, or the rest of his career, it's hard to imagine a Xavier team, no matter what happens the rest of the season, that will be worse than this one. And if UC can't win this one. If they can't come to Cintas and win this one, as a Cincinnati fan, you have to ask yourself, when? Because there have been upsets. And, and that's not to say, I mean, look at Xavier's end. The stat I just read you about Xavier coming in as a seven-point underdog and beating the 10th-ranked team in the country by two points. You look at the 90s, number one, you know, number one in the country, number two in the city. There are upsets in this rivalry. Xavier was clearly the better team last year, and Cincinnati stormed back, and it took a late Sule boom free throw for Xavier to win that game. But if if you're Cincinnati and Xavier pulls this one out on Saturday night, and the fan moment, I mean, Xavier, Xavier Twitter and, and and Xavier Internet will be ruthless, more ruthless than I feel like in a normal year, given what these last three games and all this pent up energy that's online right now. If, if Cincinnati can't win this game, you have to ask, when are they going to win a game in this shootout? Because this would be five in a row. It would go back to fifth third next year, but Xavier will likely have a much better team next year. Jerome Hunter and Zach Fremantle are back. 
plus more experienced guys on the wings and at the guards. This is this is Cincinnati's shootout to lose right now, and it's wild to say given the fact that it's at Cintas. <laughs> but you, you kind of do have to ask that question, right? Well, I mean, if Xavier wins it, I'm saying it right now. This goes into Dayton game territory in terms of the home winning streak, and we start bringing out president's heads after that, I think, for the students. I mean, we're, we're really getting to that point. You start talking about the decades since UC has won at the Centos Center, it becomes like a whole thing after this one. So I, we're at that point now. Yeah, it's crazy to think about UC potentially going this long without winning a road game in the shootout. And if they don't get this one, you really do wonder if it's ever going to happen again because it, it feels like it's almost like a mental obstacle at that point that they just can't figure out how to overcome. Uh, that being said, when I look at the, the potential for this game and what I see happening, I can see a game in which Xavier gets punched in the mouth, doesn't respond well the way we've seen recently, and they lose this game by 15 points. I think that's possible. I think it's more likely, maybe not more likely, but I can definitely see a version of this game or versions of this game where it's very close the whole way and UC wins by a few points or Xavier wins by a few points. I struggle to see a version of this game where Xavier runs away with it and wins by 15. I just, I just don't think that's where Xavier is at right now. Even if they had a big lead, heck, last year they couldn't even finish off the game with a big lead and they had a much better team. I don't think this year's team is good enough to run away from anybody and put them away and win by 15 or 20 points. Um, I, I think it's possible Xavier could win, but if they're going to do that, I think it's going to be a kind of epic shootout performance and an exciting finish. And that's that's the best part about this year's game is I really do feel like we are in for a good game. Regardless of how well Xavier's playing, it's very rare that you're going to get the road team coming into the Crosstown shootout and win in a blowout. So, I mean, even if we're saying UC's likely to win this game or it, it they should be the favorite. It feels like it's going to be very close. I know I looked at Ken Palm uh, a, a night ago. I was doing a podcast with Chuck Walter, who, who covers UC, and it was a one point. Xavier was favored by one point. I think it was like 76, 75. I yeah. checked this morning before we were doing this podcast, and now Cincinnati is favored by one point after the Delaware loss, 76, 75. What do you think the spread should be? Are we are we headed for a, a potential pick them in the shootout? I was going to say, I would say it's probably a pick because Ken Palm's almost always spot on within a half a point or a point. And given the fact that it's at home, if it was at fifth third, I would say probably Cincinnati minus two and a half or minus three. three. But That's because exactly. I think the, on a neutral, it's Cincinnati two and a half. And yeah, so it, if you put it, if I, you put it at the, at the Centos Center, you got to basically take that away or everyone's going to bet Xavier, I think. Yeah. So you, you say that it'll. My guess would be that it's a pick em. Now, where it closes, where that money races to right away, I don't know. Uh, my guess would be that there will be a lot of neutral observers for this game hopping on Cincinnati as fast as that line comes out if it's a pick em. Um, we both picked Xavier in the preseason pod to win this game. We also said that, uh, you know, we, we also said Xavier would win their bye games the rest of the way. And, you know, I, I will say, I, it would be disingenuous for me to sit here and say, and I hate to admit this, but I am going to admit this. It would be disingenuous for me to sit here and say that I thought Xavier is going to lose these bye games. We picked them to win them. I'll stand by that. In no way in my mind did I think that a Xavier team would lose a bye game. They haven't done it in over a decade. I didn't think that it was going to happen. But in the same breath, I will say there is a reason that after about three weeks of preseason practice, I spent a night doing some digging 
on the buy game history of Xavier at the Cintas Center about two weeks before the season started, thinking to myself, oh, God, please don't let this be the year. And I sat there after that Oakland game and thought, I, I couldn't pick them because in no way should a, a smart basketball observer pick a, a Xavier team to lose a game like that. But there was just something to me after watching the team, there was something off. And I sensed it pretty quickly. And and I, I just w- wish you would have shared it on this podcast. We would be looking real good right now. I, well, no, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna like. It's like I said. I'm not. I'm not gonna sit. I'm not gonna sit here and be the person that says, "Oh, I thought they were gonna lose." I didn't. I, in well, no way. We, we did get chastised for even wondering if they might lose a, a bye game. We two did. Weeks ago, we did. Now they've lost we two did. of them. We did throw it out there, but yeah, I, I just remember that night. It was like late October, probably two weeks before the season started, and I sat there for a half hour and did a ton of digging on Xavier's history on bye games at the Cintas Center because I just thought to myself. It just seems something off about this team. And I was looking at their Your fiance is a lucky woman. Oh, well, I, <laughs> I live at home right now. So she doesn't have game yeah, details. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm still living at home. So she's got a little bit more time. till she's got to deal with that in June. Yeah. But, I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, it just to me, you know, I, I think back to the, to the preseason and, and you know, we talked about like toughness and we were talking about, Lazar and I, I remember talking on this podcast what was it the last one or the one before where you know we were saying hey you know maybe temper your expectations for Lazar going into this and you asked me what what are you most looking to see out of Lazar as far as improvement and I said just responding better with toughness and I think if you read between the lines with that and now I've seen him play it's like you you just want more you want that toughness you want somebody that has some skill there and can be coached but clearly hasn't responded to that coaching yet. And that's just a microcosm of it. That's I don't want to sit here and pick on him because it hasn't just been him. I'm just using that as an example because I talked about it specifically on the, on the last show, I think. But on that preseason show, you and I both picked Xavier to win this game. It's at home. You would not be smart to pick against Xavier at home in the shootout, given the fact that they haven't lost uh, at home in the shootout since December of 2001 and that game was a 75 to 55 Cincinnati win Cincinnati at that time was um, like the number two Ken Palm team in the country Xavier ended 23rd that year but they still lost by 20 at home and Xavier hasn't lost since Rick do you want to revise your pick or do you think Xavier still wins on Saturday there's a big part of me that wants to say this is the shootout, man. Don't don't be stupid. This is the crosstown shootout. Expect the unexpected. Expect the team that's struggling to rise from the ashes and defend their home floor and pull off the upset, whatever little upset it may be in Vegas terms. Right. I think right now to Xavier fans, it, it would feel like a bigger upset for Xavier to win this game because of the way they've played the last three games. I I just can't pick this team to win right now, though. I I I feel like it's going to be close. I feel like it's going to be a good game in the end. I'm going to go UC wins wins a close one. I am going to revise my pick. We've spent 39 minutes now talking about this Savior team, and they haven't shown anything. They haven't responded to anything. I just can't believe that I'm going to sit here in 2023 with Sean Miller as the head coach of this team and sit here and pick against Xavier in a home crosstown shootout. But the reason I'm going to do it and I'm going to pick Cincinnati to win this game right now is because 
I feel I I feel this pit in my stomach where I I genuinely feel bad for Sean when I look at the sidelines and I see this look in his face as if to say what more can I do what, what how much more can I say how much more can I tell you this is exactly what they're going to do and this team is still going to go out there and do it against you even though we have spent hours and hours and hours showing you film, showing you in practice, showing you in shoot around exactly what their opponent is going to do. And yet the opponent has still come out and gotten exactly what they wanted in the last three games. And if that happens on Saturday and there's been nothing to show me otherwise that that can't happen, because like I said, Oakland blip, Houston, good response, Delaware, you win by 20. I'm picking Xavier going away on Saturday. But last night was one of the worst performances that I can remember from a Xavier team. And it gives me no reason to want to sit here and pick not, not to want, obviously I would want Xavier to win this game on Saturday. <laughs> obviously I want the Musketeers to win this game. Nobody is more invested uh, in this team winning this game on Saturday than I am. But I just can't sit here and do it, Rick. I, I, there's, they've shown me nothing in the last three games outside of, I don't want to say that because they showed me enough in the Houston game to think they can win. So that's a lie. I, they showed me in the Houston game, they can win this game because if they play like that, they'll win, but they, they will get run off their home floor if they do that against Delaware, because Cincinnati won't take their foot off the gas. Yeah. And I think the other thing you have to think about here is Okay, let's assume Xavier takes care of all the stuff we're talking about, right? They do. They come out and play more like the Houston game. They're tough. They're physical on defense. The energy is there. They look more like the St. Mary's, Houston, Purdue team, right? Then you have to think, okay, they're probably in a close game at the end. And then can they do the little things to win a close game at the end, right? Like making free throws and taking care of the basketball and, and doing the things an experienced team does in those moments. I have major concerns about this team's ability to close out games, but we haven't really seen them in that position many times yet in high leverage with the lead trying to close it out. So that's the other thing. It's like, even if they're in position to potentially win this game at the end, are they even mature and good enough to do that? And we really don't have an answer to that yet. I there, I think there's just too many moving parts and too many things working against Xavier for me to pick them. That being said, I'm telling you right now, this is not some, don't hear this and be like, oh God, Rick, Rick and Paul are so doom and gloom on the, the Crosstown Shootout podcast. They think Xavier has no chance. I am... 100% telling you right now, there will be zero surprise for me with it being the crosstown shootout when we're looking at Xavier winning this game on a buzzer beater or what have you on Saturday because that's how the shootout goes. And Xavier has lost three straight games at the Centos. They're going to be desperate. Sean Miller is going to have every motivational tactic known to mankind deployed <laughs> over the next few days to get these guys ready. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's not going to surprise me if Xavier finds a way to win this one. I don't think UC is a world beated a world beater of a team. And the other thing that we really haven't mentioned much, and it probably doesn't need to be mentioned because everyone knows if they're, they're a local basketball fan, but this is also UC's first real game. I mean, you know, you can talk about Georgia tech. You can talk about, they went and played a road game at Howard, but let's face it. Like this is the first real game where their team is going to feel some pressure going in and, and feel like it's a, a big time atmosphere and they're going to be up for it. So there is something to be said for them playing their first game with some real emotion behind it as well. We'll see how they handle that. I think they'll be okay, but but it's a real factor to, to throw in there, too, that goes in Xavier's favor. So I'm not expecting a, a terrible day for Xavier fans. I'm not expecting some crazy blowout or anything like that. But it is hard to pick the Xavier team right now. 
Xavier has a chance to do the funniest thing of all time on Saturday. It, it is funny. I mean, it is. If they win this one, it is funny, and the and the implications for West Miller and what that means and everything. I mean, it is a, a game that you really can't lose if you're West Miller and UC. You can't, and and you know from the pressure side and looking at Xavier's social media, right? Looking at at the message board, looking at Musketeer Report, looking at Twitter, looking at everything, and the response to last night's game. I, again, I want to give a major shout out to to Xavier fans on the message board. You and I were texting about it last night before I had a really had a chance to dive into it. It has been much more measured and tempered and uh you know, thought out as far as the response to these last few games go instead of the emotional, you know, I can't believe. Now, I did hear one fan scream past the bunker yesterday. That's the worst loss in the history of this building last night. Well, I mean, I did hear though. I did like, hear I mean, a lot. It's okay I'm not, to be mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not faulting him. I'm just saying, yeah. you know, there obviously was a lot of emotion in the crowd last night that I heard. But online, I think a lot of this has turned into now Xavier fans realizing that if the Musketeers win on Saturday, it won't be the best shootout win in in the last 20 years. You know, when you look at some of the games where both teams have been ranked and there's been a lot of high stakes going into the game. Now, I'm not sure either one of these teams are NCAA tournament teams. But I'll tell you one thing right now, Rick. If Xavier wins on Saturday night at 630, this will be the funniest Xavier win in the last 20 years. And and it might be celebrated like a Sweet 16 win this year because I think Xavier fans realize it's pro- that's probably not coming later in the year. So you better enjoy what's going on right now. And uh, this is about as... It, let's, let's assume the season plays out as bad as you can possibly think of. And, and it... I'm sure it won't. I'm sure they'll turn it around and figure it out. But let's just say they continue on this road that they're on and things get really poorly. If you win this game, it doesn't matter. Like you just celebrate it like you won the national championship <laughs> and and you don't worry about anything else, I think. And that, that's the great thing about the Crosstown shootout. It's why it's so much fun. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one, quite honestly. It feels like it's been not that not that it had lost its luster, as the Enquirer will tell you, but it feels like it's been a few years since both sides we're really into it because you see fans, I think with the issues they've had in the game, it's kind of been like, uh, it's not as big of a deal to us. We don't care. Well, this year, all of a sudden they care a lot again, it seems like, and that makes the rivalry more fun in my opinion. And I'm, I'm looking forward to a good game on Saturday. I'm hoping we're just going to get a close one and an exciting finish. I hope for the fans. I hope for everybody that's there. I am. There is no game that I look forward to more than this game every year, especially when it's at home, you know, being down there on the court and selfishly being down there and, and looking up at the crowd and feeding off of that energy is something that I love. I, I'm so passionate about and I appreciate and getting to talk to the fans and getting to be around and, and to be a part of this atmosphere. This is one of the main reasons that I love doing this job and, and being on the court and being around and being such a very small part of this game. But I love this game. I love everything about it for the city. and. While I do think that this is Cincinnati's game to lose on Saturday, if we sit here on Monday night and we're recording and we say that Xavier won the game 75 to 70 because Cincinnati just didn't look the part in the second half and maybe some guys got into foul trouble, I will not be shocked in the slightest because that's just how this game goes. And that's my final thought on it.
All right, real quick, we all, we always have to talk about the potential for Tom Foley in the Crosstown shootout. Normally, it's okay. a little more fun. you got to make a prediction, like who's most likely to get the, the double tech or whatever. Um, this year, it seems so straightforward to me. It's not even fun to talk about necessarily, but like Victor Locken and Abu Usman are the two most likely to get tangled up and get the double techs this year, right? I mean, there's no other yeah. real answer. Lazar Djokovic could be if he gets enough minutes. He's definitely uh, has potential for Tom Foley, but those are those are really the guys, those three. Here's what I'm worried about. We haven't seen Brian O'Connell or Jeff Anderson, or I think we've only seen breeding once and Xavier hasn't had O'Connell or Anderson this year. I'm wondering if one of those guys makes an appearance at Cintas on Saturday. Could be. Xavier's, Xavier's had some some crews that we just haven't really heard or known much about lately, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So are you saying yeah. that Xavier and the Cintas Center doesn't actually pick the officials for each game? Is that not how it works? Because I was... I was led to believe by some UC stuff that I was reading and listening to that Xavier picked the officials for each game. Is that not how that works? Well, you know, it's funny you say that, Rick, because, you know, talking about going back and doing the history of the bye games, uh, I actually added up the other night. I spent about a uh, half hour adding up every single foul called uh, in the shootout over the last 10 years because I saw so much uh, going back and forth. I can give you a breakdown of fouls called in which building uh, over the last decade of this rivalry. It, 263 fouls have been called on Cincinnati. Uh, 249 fouls have been called on Xavier uh, back and forth. There have been nine more fouls called on Xavier at fifth third, and there have been 23 more fouls called on Cincinnati uh, at Cintas. So, so there's, that there's Xavier your, makes the officials. You proved it. There's, nice. your, there's, your, bra- there's your breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't well, want that true. research to go to waste. I wasn't going to use that, but hey, since you brought it up, I'll throw it Perfect. out there. Perfect. I'm glad, I'm glad I did. It didn't go to waste then. All right. Uh, I mean, I, I, that's all I got, Paulie. That's, that's all I got too, Rick. I thought this was a good show. I hope everybody appreciated it. And I look again, just, just to wrap this up, I don't want everybody to sit here and, and, and think, you know, like you said that it's, it's doom and gloom and everything, but I think there is obviously realism to this and understanding that we are in uncharted waters right now with Xavier. Nobody, Nobody on Twitter, nobody on Xavier Twitter will be able to find a more positive spin on something that, than I try to, at least after games. Um, but right now, Xavier's, they got to show me something to be able to put a positive spin on this. And there is no better opportunity to reset a season than for Xavier to do the funniest thing of all time. And that's win a Crosstown shootout on Saturday. We'll see what happens. It's at 630. It's on FS1. Um, I can't wait for it. And uh, Rick, appreciate you doing the show today. And uh, we'll talk soon.